Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Um, Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Martin Luther uh, is a key figure in the Protestant Reformation. Um, He's buried in a church in Wittenberg, Germany. Uh, It's the same church that he posted the 95 theses on. Uh, These 95 theses were 95 doctrinal or spiritual um, disagreements with the Catholic Church. Uh, See, Martin Luther believed that faith um, and salvation can only come through faith by grace. And this pitted him against the Holy Roman Empire. Um, And um, not only the Holy Roman Empire, but in it, um, these were the uh, cultural, political, and spiritual um, big names in all of Europe, and he was now pitted against them. Um, so Martin Luther decided um, to trust God and the truth of his gospel over the Holy Roman Empire and kind of these massive forces going against him in his life. Um, at the bottom of his tomb is engraved, Ein Festerberg ist unser Gott, or A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Um, it's, it's the title of a song that he wrote based off of Psalm 46. Uh, that hymn has lasted nearly 500 years from Psalm 46. Let's read that right now. Psalm 46. To the chief musician for the sons of Korah. A song upon Alamoth. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the, midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he has made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. The psalm is a song uh, meant, as seen in the heading, for the chief musician. Its three sections are three stanzas, all separated by the musical pause, Selah. This psalm describes an accurate picture of reality for those who are hidden in God. In other words, the songwriter's goal is to explain what's going on with God's people. Each stanza unveils a proper response from God's people in light of God's workings. 
The psalmist doesn't beat around the bush. The first stanza acknowledges that we've got trouble, my friend. And trouble, he he, uh, explains, isn't minor. The earth is giving way, and the mountains are carried into the ocean. The things that we've taken for granted as permanent realities, they're falling away. Maybe it's the collapse of the nuclear family in society. Maybe it's the loss of a job that felt so secure. Maybe it's the reoccurring failure of an American government that seemed at one point so perfect. Maybe it's a friendship that's failing slowly and you can't turn it around. Or maybe it's the body that we've relied on so long that seems to be giving way beneath our very eyes. The psalmist acknowledges a frustrating reality as a follower of God. Our life is full of trouble. But there's a second reality that the psalmist acknowledges, the presence of God. Not just God as an abstract and vague sense, not just God as a comfort that's kind of over there, distant from us, separate, but a God that's real, a God that's present. Present where? Present in our troubles. He's the God who supplied money when the paycheck was short. He's the God who provided healing when the doctor said there was no hope. Psalm 103 reminds us, Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. And that's the same God who offered his son to get us out of the very trouble that we put ourselves into, our sin. He's the God that brought us from life to death. And he's the God that gave him himself and gave us his spirit, our helper. Church, our God is a very present help in times of trouble. And so the psalmist has set before us two facts. One, our life is full of trouble. And two, God's help is in the midst of that trouble. When pilots go through training, one of the dangers that they're warned about are illusions that they can experience when it's cloudy, when they can't see. And so as a plane lifts off, the pilot lifting off, it's climbing, and then the pilot levels out once he's at the proper altitude. But when the pilot can't see, when it's cloudy or something like that, maybe it's dark, when the, cloud, uh, when the pilot is lacking visual reference and they go from climbing to leveling out, it feels as if he's still going up. And that's because there's delayed pressure change in the ear. So the pilot levels out and the altimeter tells him, okay, you're at the right altitude. But he feels as if he's still going up. And so often, young pilots will panic and they'll point their plane straight down, ignoring the altimeter. And this is the cause of frequent crashes and deaths among um, unexperienced pilots. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, to lean not what, on our, what we see, our narrow-minded understanding, but instead completely trust God. The pilot, is, he's not looking at what he sees out there. He needs to trust the altimeter. It's the same idea. We've got a choice, the, the psalmist says here. Either we meditate on the very real trouble that is in our life, which results in anxious fear, 
or we take stock of the helpful presence of God in the midst of our trouble, and we live out our faith courageously. Have I not commanded thee? God says to Joshua in the first chapter of Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Be courageous, for God is our present help in times of trouble. And the psalmist says, Selah. The psalmist continues his presentation of an accurate view of the reality of God. In the second stanza, he zooms in to, uh, on the help that God provides for his people. In the midst of the mountains falling, and though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake, in the midst of all this chaos, there's a river. Yes, in the midst, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The psalmist is contrasting this busy commotion of mountains falling to the sea, the earth melting away, with this peaceful stream of a river. And look at verse 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And the right, and that right early. The reality that is that in this city of God, the dwelling place of the people of God, that's where God is found. Of course, mountains being thrown into the sea, oceans roaring, the earth melting away, that's a lot of commotion. And often we think, okay, that's where the action is. That's where the power is. But that's not what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist says that the supernatural help, the progress and change, the workings of God, are found in the middle of the people of God. God dwells with the humble. We are so quick to see the tumult, the chaos of the world around us, and think the wicked, they're the ones in charge. The wicked are the ones grounded while God's people flail, the wicked prosper, and God's people take a beating. But listen to the testimony of the psalmist in Psalm 73. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them as a chain. Violence covered them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. The psalmist continues his plaint, a complaint against the wicked, how they ignore God, how they seem to prosper. But then things change at the end of the psalm. He notices something. Listen to what he says. He thought that they prospered. Listen here. Until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely thou, thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. This psalm testifies that when one spends time with God's people, he notices two things. First, the wicked are making a lot of commotion. They even seem like they're prospering, but their end is destruction. And second, God dwells with his people, and therefore progress, moral progress, spiritual progress, cultural progress, educational progress, is found among 
God's people. I have two older brothers. Uh, We're all within four years of each other. And when we were younger, we were very quick, almost impressively quick, to come up with a worst idea and then follow through with it. Um, And on one such idea, it was probably a day following a Christmas or a birthday when cardboard boxes were in copious supply, we came up with a good game. So the game was the two younger, Kai and I, would get inside a box, and then Ben, the oldest, would find the biggest stick he could find and stab it in the top of the box, and we would try to catch the stick. I don't know why we never copyrighted the idea. (laughs) And so you can imagine, after three or four attempts to catch the stick, it landed hard on Kai's skull, resulting in chaos, crying, panic, guilt, and probably some permanent brain damage. (laughs) But whenever my dad walked into any of these situations, whether it was bickering or fighting or an attempt of toddlers to rule the world again, we all stopped what we were doing and almost melted into the walls. That's the image the psalmist presents. Yes, there is commotion, there's raging among the nations, but when God appears, it says... He uttereth his voice, the earth melted, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. The psalmist is presenting a view of life in which God's people are established. He is present among us. We have no reason to despair. In fact, we have reason to be glad. That which appears powerful is fading. God is with his people and nothing can change that. Christ declared he will build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Once again, we have a choice. Focus on the commotion and rage and chaos of the nations and the powers of the world and despair, or focus on the presence of God among his people, among us, the church, and see how he is establishing and continuing his help for his followers. Rejoice that God is with us. For I am persuaded, Paul writes, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the psalmist says, Selah. In the final stanza, the psalmist zooms out into the big picture, the big picture view of God's working in the world, calling us to see his grandeur on display. And our reaction is to sit back in awe and worship. Look at where we've come from stanza one. The psalmist has brought us a long way. In the first stanza, God's name is mentioned only one time. And there's a lot of attention brought to the mountains falling into the sea, the commotion. The second stanza, God addresses that he is with his people, but he's with his people still in trouble. But by the time we get to this third stanza, the reality of God seems so much greater than anything that the wicked are doing. It's almost silly that there was a potential of fear in the first stanza. He that sits in the heavens laughs, says the psalmist, about those who stand against God. And so the psalmist says, come, behold the works of the Lord. This is an invitation 
to, to, wa- to watch what God is doing, almost as an audience, just sit back and see God as he takes the most powerful people, the most established governments, and the most seamless philosophies, the most full, foolproof worldviews, and twist them in on themselves. He's making everybody look like fools out there. And what's more embarrassing for the nations trying to establish themselves is he's making them look like fools by using fools to confound him. That's part of his plan. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. (coughs) Excuse me. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Then abruptly, God speaks directly into the psalm, saying, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Here's the final reality that the psalmist is putting forth to us. God is establishing his plan, and nothing can stop his plan. What is this plan, you might ask? That he will be exalted. That he will be exalted among the heathen, among the nations, among the Gentiles. That all people will come before him and kneel at his power. What plan is this but the gospel of Jesus? That all people come together to the church of God, under the Son of God, by the Spirit of God, and for the glory of God. So what is the invitation directly from God in this psalm? What is the choice that we must make? Either we align our life to the reality of the gospel and worship the God who is in the midst of his people, in the midst of their trouble, or we become the loud desolation and rubble the remains of the foolishness that tried to resist the plan of God. I mentioned earlier this musical um, term, selah. It's meaning a pause. Psalmists would often use it in a psalm where the audience is meant to stop and think about what God has done. And that's what we see here. In Ephesians 3.20, Paul praises the immovable help and plan of God that moves forward across time, saying, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And the psalmist says, Selah. I want to leave you with a few points of application this evening. Because our view of life, our view of God, and our view of his plan are so narrow on our own, we have to seek to expand our view of God and his promises and his continued faithfulness. How can we do this? First of all, read God's word. Dive into it. Study it. See how God is revealing his plan throughout the ages how God is constantly in the midst of his people, in the midst of their trouble. Another thing is, read old books by Christians. Read Christian biographies. Read Christian missionary stories. There you will hear about God's work and faithfulness to his people. You want to hear about God's present help? One example, the life of George Mueller. Fascinating. Look into that. But there are so many examples of God being faithful to his people. And we have so much supply. 
Finally, talk to older Christians who can see more of the workings of God in their life, who have a broader perspective, who can look back and see God has been faithful. This church has been blessed with many people who have large experience of seeing God's faithfulness in their life. There are many people in this congregation who can echo the words of Psalm 37. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And so, dear church, be courageous, for God's help is in the middle of your trouble. Be glad, for God is working through his people. And be still, for God is working out his plan, his gospel, for his glory. Let's pray. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast. Thank you.